Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's so good to see all of your beautiful faces. You look wonderful. It's hot outside, so I don't have a blanket on because I'd faint when I was preaching. Trying to loosen up for the summer a little bit. By a show of hands real quick, let's be honest, we're a small enough church so we can be close and we can know about each other. I'm going to give you three options and you're going to raise your hand to one of them. And just be honest, okay? Like seriously, I'll, I'll be honest, you be honest. Let's look around, let's know each other, let's be in each other's lives. You're going to have three options and I'm going to give them to you before I even ask you to do anything. So first I'm going to ask you if you had a good week, don't raise your hand yet, but I want you to raise your hand. Your second option is I had an okay week, pretty decent, you know, it wasn't amazing, but it was a decent week. Then your, then your third option is going to be if you had a really bad week, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to be honest, okay? So at this time, if you had a really good week, let's look around, let's be open, let's be honest, right? The beauty of, you know, not being a mega church is we can like know each other, right? And so if you had a really, really, really good week, would you raise your hand right now? Oh, they, they're standing up. They had a phenomenal week. Okay, all right, look around, look around. You don't need to pray for them this week, okay? So, all right, so put your hand down. If you had a decent week, an okay week, wasn't bad, wasn't great, raise your hand. That's me. So I had a decent week this week, okay? So if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, you can pray for them this week. They were teetering on the verge of a good or bad week. And let's be honest, if you had a horrible, not very good, not kind of good week, would you raise your hand and be honest for us? Okay, let's look around. Okay, no, be honest. It's okay. Okay, I was there last week, so okay, thank you very much. Thank you. So depending on how the week was, let's, let's be honest and let's, let's go after the service and let's encourage them, let's love on them. I think so often we, we struggle and we show up at church and we've got our nice clothes on and we did our hair really nice for church and we're just like masking the fact that maybe we didn't have a great week. And so um, I want us to be open and transparent. I want us to be close to one another. Um, another thing I want to do before I dive in really quick, and I know this is really, like, you shouldn't do this. They tell you in, like, seminary you, you should not do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I in, invited a friend of mine to come this morning, and he came to gather with us. And so, Warner, would you stand up real quick? I know this is awkward. Just stand up for me, man. Stand up. This is my friend Warner. He's a really cool guy. Give him a round of applause. Thanks, man. Go tell Warner hi, uh, go make him feel loved. Uh, we want this to be a place where you can invite your friends, where you can tell them that they know for sure if they come here, they'll be loved, they'll be welcomed, they'll hear the gospel from the very beginning of the service. I don't know about you, but this morning I needed that gospel reading that Envy did. He did a great job. Um, I needed to be reminded of that, and my whole mood changed just in that one moment. And so the reason why we do that every morning, we have like the initial song, which like nobody listens to because everyone's like walking around. So that's why it's legitimately like a call to worship. And then after that, we go into what we call a gospel reading, which is basically where we take whatever we're preaching on that week, and we basically just thread the gospel through it so that we know at the very beginning, every person that comes to White Oak every single week from the very beginning of the service, we set the tone with the gospel that you are loved by God, that you were here this morning, and that he specifically wants you to know how much he loves you and desires to have a relationship with you. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And so we set the tone every Sunday morning with what we call a gospel reading. And we have somebody different than the preacher come up and deliver that for us because they're a fresh voice, because they're not worried about preaching a sermon. And so things like communion and the gospel reading at the beginning, we bring another leader up to lead us through that. 
um, because they're fresh, and their task that morning is to lead us into that wonderful truth. And so you did a great job this morning, Evan. It blessed me. I hope it blessed you as well. Um, But as we begin this morning, the sermon is entitled, The Great Imperative. And I know that an epic sermon title like that desires an epic sermon, and so I hope to deliver on that this morning. When something is imperative, it means that it's like crucial, it's essential. Something that is imperative, it's urgent, it's like very necessary, very quickly. And the reason why the sermon this morning is entitled The Great Imperative is because what David tells us in Psalm 119, 33 through 40, is that the Spirit of God, that His work in our life is the reason why we can obey God. The main idea this morning is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the great imperative to obedience. It's interesting, I've heard a lot of sermons on this, um, on this, uh, this text this morning, and they, they point to the Bible, which is very true. It's about the Scriptures. It's about... Um, knowing what God says and obeying it and following it. And yet David's problem, you notice in this text, is not that he doesn't know the word of God or know where to find the truth. The problem David has in Psalm 119 is he can't do any of it. You ever felt that way? Like you know everything and yet you just don't have the strength to actually do it. And I think this is important because we live in like the most educated society, probably. One of the most educated societies, not only in the world, but in all of human history. We've got Bibles all over the place. You have it on the internet. You've got commentaries. We have more scholarly understanding of Scripture than any other society, probably. And yet, do you think that our holiness is any different from other tribal people in Africa? We struggle with the same stuff. And in David's day, if anybody knew the scriptures, if anybody knew what God commanded, it was David. And church, I bet this morning you're a lot like David. And the problem you have in your life is not that you don't know what you should be doing, but we we don't have the strength to do it. And I believe the reason why this exists is because, as I've mentioned before, we enter the faith through the gospel, through the faith of Christ. Like, like we didn't do anything. We didn't earn it. He just loved us and offered it to us. He came and lived our perfect life that we get to benefit from. He died. He rose again. We entered simply through faith in that, not through the works of our own, as Paul says. And then we become a Christian, and we become to try to pray, and we, we revert right back to works, right? So now I'm a Christian, so I've got to have all these disciplines in my life. And you go to church, and they say, well, you need to pray more. You need to, you need to read more of the Bible. You need to go to church more. We, we try to put all these regulations on people. And yet, while we should do things, we do things by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the great imperative of the Christian faith. In your Bible in Psalm 119, you might notice above our text this morning, there's like a letter on there. So look at that for me. Psalm 119. I have the ESV Bible, and Psalm 119 is like the longest uh, chapter of Scripture in all the Bible. And so I could have just read Psalm 119 and that been our whole sermon, but I decided not to do that. But notice that all these different sections, there's like a, like a letter or what looks like a word, okay? And so what it has here, like on ours, verse 33, it says, he, okay? That's what it says. At least that's what we think it says. In reality, that is not the word he, but it's the letter hey. In the Hebrew alphabet, okay? 
And so each one of these little sections, there's eight verses in each section, and each one is broken down into a syllable or a consonant or a letter in the Hebrew alphabet above it. And the interesting thing about our text this morning is he, how it appears to us, or hey, in verses 33 through 40, is the Hebrew letter in the alphabet that stands for an imperative. Meaning, if you were to place this in front of a sentence or a word in the Hebrew language, it would signify, like, I need you to do something. It's an imperative sentence. Like, an imperative sentence in the English language is like, I need you to do something. This is crucial. This is essential, okay? And so the, the Hebrew letter for an imperative, meaning, God, I need you to do something. I need your help. I need you to be with me, is what David puts over here. And then he begins every verse except verse 40 with an imperative in our language. So he says this. Listen to me. He says, teach me, O Lord. It's essential, and I need you. Verse 34, give me understanding. He's begging God for it. Verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments. Verse 37, incline my heart to testimonies. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Verse 38, confirm to your servant your promise. Verse 39, turn away the reproach that I dread. Every verse is David begging that the Spirit of God would do in him what he knows but does not have the strength to do in and of himself. You see, the Holy Spirit is the great imperative of the Christian life. What's an imperative for marriage? Tell me something. So what's crucial? What's urgent in marriage? Tell me something. Communication. Communication. There we go. What else? The unmarried guy. Thanks, man. You married people. What is an imperative to marriage? Love. What else? Trust. Yes. There's a lot of stuff. We just celebrated 40 years of marriage for Kathy and Wesley yesterday. Um, we had a party over here in the North Wing. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So uh, when you see them, they renewed their vows. So th- this is like their first day of marriage. They're like newlyweds again in our book. So that's kind of the, the way we're viewing it. So the word I have for marriage is compromise. Okay, there's a lot of words. But I say compromise is, is an imperative to marriage. What about parenting? I don't have kids yet. So, so what's an imperative to parenting? Discipline, okay, what else? Patience, that's what I had, so I'm, I'm kind of on the same page, so I got it right. Friendship, an imperative is understanding. Understanding of your crazy friend, okay, that's an imperative to friendship. What's an imperative to your job? Doing what you're told to do by the time you're told to have it done by, right? What about obedience in the Christian life? What's the great imperative? Prayer, love the gospel, and then when God actually does something in your life, if we are called to love our neighbor, the moment that we do that, do we do it by our own strength, church? Who's working through us in that moment? Holy Spirit. God the Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, by the power of the gospel. When you, when you leave this place, you see, we gather to then scatter. When, when you leave here and you go to be on mission in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, what is the great imperative that you would have effectiveness? Holy Spirit. You see, the gap between who you are 
and who you should be is the Holy Spirit. The gap for the Christian, the person who already believes in the gospel, the gap between our actions and God's holiness is the Holy Spirit. And, and we receive this through prayer. We receive this through recharging in the beautiful, wonderful, miraculous work of prayer. I thought of an illustration for you kids out there. And for you kids, I mean anybody under the age of 45, okay? I was thinking the other day, I, I was... Uh, driving through town and if you use Google Maps on your phone it like drains your battery like any kind of map service and so I was using it for something and then of course my phone died I'm having battery issues and in that moment I was really desperate for a like a charger right because I have this theory that says that when an iPhone 6 or whatever iPhone or whatever I mean if you have an off-brand phone that's fine but if you have an iPhone which is like the best of the best right an iPhone that's not charged is like less valuable in my opinion than a piece of paper okay it's great if it's charged, if it's got the ability to turn on and get you your Facebook and your messages and your phone. If, if you have a phone that's powered, that is quote unquote empowered, see where I'm going with this? If you have a phone that's empowered, it's like the best thing ever, right? But if it's not powered, if it's dead, it's like useless. And the charger itself, like I have one of those like stand-up chargers, the charger itself is not, it is the, the means by which the charge gets to your phone, but there is a charge that is running through that charger into your phone. And prayer is the, is the mechanism by which we really receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You see in the book of Acts that they would be praying together, they'd be away, and then the Holy Spirit would just show up. They would receive it in prayer. And David here is, is praying to God that he would have the power, the strength, the Spirit of God to obey the commandments, that his heart would be inclined, that God would teach him the way that he should live, that God would lead him in the paths that he needs. And he's praying for the Holy Spirit in prayer. The reason why we pray is because it is the mechanism that God gives us the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to obedience. The Holy Spirit is the great imperative to obedience in the Christian life. I had a crazy happening this week. My wife was out of town for three days, and so I was doing the bachelor thing, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of cool, but I, I missed my wife at about a few hours in, you know, and uh, I was really late one night. I didn't sleep a lot this week. I had a lot of early meetings and stuff, and so it was late on, I think, Monday night, and it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was like dead tired. I was exhausted, and I was on my couch by myself reading this article on Forbes magazine. And this article in Forbes magazine was about this girl who had all this debt. And it was this miraculous story of how she was able to get rid of all of her massive debt in one year by living off of 51% of her income, okay? She said it was kind of odd she realized that she had debt and she had cable television, right? Like, you know, it wasn't imperative enough, right? She had to deal with these things. And so not everybody has to do this, but she decided she was going to get rid of her debt. And the way she did it was by getting rid of a bunch of things that were not imperative in her life. And you have to evaluate your life and everything you do and all the money you spend to find out what's truly imperative, right? You have to reflect, you have to think back. And so she reflects and she gets rid of all of her debt in one year. And I'm reading this article, I'm like, that's really cool, you know? And as I'm reading it, one of the things I'm working on is trying to be empowered by the Spirit wherever I go, whatever I'm doing. Not just when I'm at church, but when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm driving in the car, especially when I'm driving in the car, right? Like I'm trying to be filled by the Spirit. God, what are you doing with me? What are you showing me? What are you using me for? And so I'm reading this article and I finished it and I was like, there's something in here that I really like. There's something gets to me. And so I said, God, how can I use this to honor you? And God 
called me to do something in that moment. And I'm a pretty, you know, conservative, like orderly kind of scheduled kind of guy. And God said, I want you to find something in your life this week that you're going to spend money on that you don't really need, that's not really imperative, that you can give up so that you can give that money to people in need. And so I started thinking, well, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I thought, well, I eat Jason's Deli every day for lunch. I spend $7.03 every day at Jason's Deli. Sometimes it's 7.13. I don't know why. They mess up my order. But it's always like 7.03, right? And so I was like, I'm going to spend that five times this week. So I could. Like, I don't have to eat there for lunch, but I, I choose to. So just, I'm not going legalistic on you. I'm just telling you what God's doing in my life. I said, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get all the things to, to, to make my own lunch this week for five days a week. And all the money that I save, I'm going to give to gospel advancement. And at that point, I felt like I was crazy, like I was a lunatic, right? I was like, this is really weird, you know? And then I posted on Facebook, and people were encouraging me, but I sounded crazy, right? Because, like, you know, God's calling me at 11 o'clock at night. And so I started getting ready to go to Food Town, right? You ever been to Food Town at Antoine and Pinemont? Food Town? So I'm heading out to Food Town, right? And, um, and so but by God's sovereignty, my wife called me and so I was heading out the door. She was out of town. She said, where are you going? I said, to Food Town. She said, no, you're not. Uh, she said, uh, I said, no, but God's calling me to do this. She's like, I think God's calling you to Kroger. So, so I went down to Kroger instead. We got this, we got this saying that says, says, after sundown, no food town, right? That's our saying, right? After sundown, no food town. So anyway, so apparently God was calling me in community to Kroger instead of food town. And so I started making my way to Kroger and I went in there and it was 11 at night. I'm exhausted. I buy everything I need. Instead of spending the $35 I would have on my lunch that week, it cost me, you know, 15 bucks. Really good deals. And it's really quiet at 11 o'clock at Kroger. So for all you that complain, go late at night, okay? It's really awesome. And I saved like 22-something bucks, and I wrote a check to the church for an account that we're creating called the Gospel Account or something, right? And, and what I'm going to start doing is, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not trying to raise a bunch of money here. I'm not trying to raise a bunch of money for something. I'm just trying to create means in my life by which I know that God is constantly calling me to be on mission and to do things for him. And so I've got to be aware of his presence as I'm reading articles, as I'm at work, as I'm doing all these things. And, and I've always known the gospel was important, and, and I've always known people were in need. But when I began to pray to the Spirit that He would lead me, the Spirit answered. And church, the reason why prayer is so important, I mean, the Spirit can speak to you when you're driving down the car, even when you're not thinking about Him, but you just see this pattern in Scripture where people that get called by God to do something, people that, that do wonderful, beautiful acts of obedience to love the world around them, to advance the gospel forth, there's just this pattern of like these people are in prayer. They, they set aside the distractions for a few minutes and they pray to God, what do you want me to do? And when, when, when he speaks to them, they just kind of go with it. They don't, they, don't, they don't question it. As long as it's in, in line of the bounds of Scripture, they just go for it. And see, the Holy Spirit is the great imperative in prayer and obedience. The Holy Spirit is the, is the means by which God communicates to us. David says, confirm to your servant your promise. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. He knows they're worthless, and yet he keeps looking at them. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you keep looking at something. Maybe, maybe you're, you keep falling into the same habit and maybe you're just being led astray constantly and you, you know it's wrong, but you keep going there. And, and the way that we battle this church, because it is a battle, is we pray to God, we listen to the Spirit, and there's this refreshing reality that He will work on your behalf. 
Holy Spirit is the great imperative to prayer. Verse 38, David talking to um, God, he says, Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I, I long for your precepts and your righteousness give me life. He says, Confirm to your servant your promise. The last idea is this, is that prayer is where the Holy Spirit leads us back to the refreshing reality of the gospel. That it is God who works. That it is God who has promised us salvation. It is God who has promised to never leave us or forsake us. And Christ and his life and his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his seating of the, uh, at the Father's right hand and, and how he will return one day. All of these things are confirmation of the promise And when you pray, you are refreshingly reminded of the gospel, that it is God who works on your behalf, that it is God who moves in you, that it is God who changes you. You can change because the Spirit can flood your actions. Prayer keeps us tied to the gospel because it reminds us that it is God who works through us, church. Prayer is the reminder. It's like the... Okay, so it's not up to my own strength, and it's not up to everything I do. We just trust in God in the act of prayer. We set our life down. We set our plans down. We set our ambitions down, though they are good to have. And we say, God, what do you want to create out of my life? Because I was not saved by you. I will not continue my life without your strength. I will not find my way into holiness or back into the guardian by following my own path, but only by following your spirit. And we receive this in prayer, but but prayer is that moment where we remember that it is God who works through us, that Christ saves us, but now the spirit empowers us. That Christ saves us, but the spirit now empowers us. I love how Jesus said in John 14, before he was about to to be killed for the sins of the world, listen to this, in verse 15 of, of chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You hear that? If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. But how are they gonna do that? Listen to what he says, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another capital helper, the Spirit to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. A lot of world religions teach that you have to look deep into yourself to find the good. That apart from God and all upon your own work, you can look inside of you and you can find the good. And I've been looking for a long time inside myself. And usually when I look in my flesh and in who I am, I don't like what I see. But the gospel says that once we believe in Christ, once we look to him for our righteousness, for our right relationship with God, for our life, that that God miraculously gives us the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that there is something inside of you that is valuable and beautiful, but it is God himself who dwells in us. It's like this miraculous mystery that you can't quite comprehend, but you've experienced in your life, those moments when the Spirit has just flooded you. 
You ever just been like filled with the Spirit where it's just like everything in your life changed? Maybe there was like a, maybe it caused you to do something. Maybe it was a, a moment of just pure, beautiful, godly ecstasy, whatever it was. Like it was just this moment when he, he filled you and all the world was right. And it's God's work. It's him loving you so much that he's giving you the Spirit that guides you, that leads you. But it is his work, and so we move from works to faith that he is using us, that he is transforming us. You see, Jesus came to live among us so that his spirit could live within us. And in prayer, we receive the spirit, and we're reminded that it is God who works. Church, don't, don't, don't retreat to your own hands too often. Don't, don't go out on your own strength we're trying to do it on your own, it doesn't work. You, you know that. Let him work through you. David's prayer is that, that God would confirm to his servant the promise, that he would turn away the reproach, that he would turn his eyes from worthless things. That he, he depends on God. It's just dependency. The Christian life is all about dependence on God the Father. That's all that it is. And we turn it into religious rituals. And rituals are beauty, beautiful if they have meaning in them, but if they are empty and just done so we think God will love us more, you can never do anything to make God love you more. We can only receive his love. And this is a great way to live. Because in this moment, I know all of you, and I, I know all of your stories, and, and I know as we're, we're sitting here right now in this place, you've got this vision for your life, you've got this dream, you've got these plans, and as I'm standing here right now, there's something in your life and it's not going the way that you want it to go. And, um, and it causes anxiety, doesn't it? And it causes stress and it causes worry. And it's just so hard to shake. And, and I'm there with you, right? I don't know why I have plans for my own life, but I always do, right? And, and yet, in prayer, we can surrender to God and we can receive the Spirit and let Him guide us. I'll close the story. We... Um, a few of us from the church uh, last Sunday went to go prayer walking. Um, as many of you know, we have this initiative called Everyone for Everyone, and it's just a really simple, low-key kind of thing that we're using to try and help train all of us how the average person in the local church can have a global impact. And so um, Matt and James kind of had that up for us, and they went to go prayer walk at this, uh, this temple. Like, there's like this temple literally 20 minutes away from this church. Um, with all these different like, false idols and these, these statue gods and people go and pray to them for different things. And so like they'll make a sacrifice or they'll, they'll pray, they give them fruit, like if you want fertility or if you want money, there's all these different gods and stuff. And so um, we went there to, to pray and just that God would, would work through this place and that he, his power would be shown. And we've got a picture up here, I think of it. So this is some of us. And so we're going prayer walking, but before we go prayer walking, we're, we're praying. And so James is right here kind of leading us in prayer, and this is some of the people from the church, and we're kind of praying together before we, we go, because we know that even though we have plans, right, we, have, we know what we're going to do. We're going to go into this temple, we're going to pray that the gospel will be revealed, and that's our plan, maybe talk to people. And so we prayed here, and then we went to the actual temple, and we rolled up to the temple, and we could not get in because, I kid you not, they were shooting an Asian gangster movie, right? Kids, seriously, Asian gangster movie, right? Really cool, right? We got more than we bargained for. So legitimate, like, Asian gangster flick. I mean, they've got the legitimate, like, like the take two, the, the clicker thing, like the take two. Like, they've got that whole thing, right? And the big old cameras, and it's like a legitimate movie that they're filming in this place, right? I guess it was a good setting for it. And so we're like, 
bummer, right? That's, we came here to do this, and now we're like, it's like the hot sun is like burning us. We're just like standing outside in this concrete, and we had all these plans to go in there and to do this and to pray for these people, and it's like, God, we're trying to do your will, and like, and like you're, you're, you're blocking us, you know? We, we've given up our, our, our Sunday afternoon. We come out here, and there's an Asian gangster movie that seemed to be more important to you than us going in there and praying, God. But we prayed before we went out to prayer walk, and so, well, God, you know, you're always trusting God's got something better, right? God's got something better. And so we retreated out to this gazebo, and we were just going to pray for a little bit and head out. And we're walking out to this gazebo, and there's this girl that's sitting in there. And she's got this huge, like, makeup, like, massive, like, kit, right? And it turns out she was the makeup artist for the, the movie. And so they didn't need her because they were shooting, and she was out there in case they needed her. And so, of course, it was kind of awkward for her because she's sitting in this gazebo by herself and like seven Christians roll in, you know, and we're like just kind of talking to her and stuff and uh, trying to get to know her a little bit. And then James so eloquently says something like, I don't want to weird you out to the girl, but we're about to pray. Is that okay? And uh, someone asked her, I forgot who it was, like, well, can we, uh, can we pray for you? And you know, usually people say no, that's kind of awkward, or they just like leave and all that kind of stuff. And it was amazing. She's like, yeah, you can. I'm like, oh, really, you know? She's like, yeah, um, my husband just left me and my three-year-old son very recently. And uh, she's like, I I don't think he's coming back. And we're just like, whoa. And we prayed for her in that moment. And, And you could tell by the way she was acting like she's probably not had a lot of people pray for her in her life. You tell she wasn't very familiar with the custom of, of prayer. And we walked away from there, not having done what we thought we had came to do. But we walked away from there, knowing that the Spirit had led us to that moment for that reason. And church, can I get an amen that God's plan is always so much better? Can I get an amen? Like his, and, 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 and who is it that leads us on that, on that journey? The Spirit does. You see, church... Faith in Christ is not a plan to be controlled, but a journey with the Spirit. Faith, your life, is not a journey with clearly defined steps. It is a journey with the Spirit of God. And when we try to to force our life into this perfect plan that we think it needs to happen, that is when stress happens. And I think it's one of the greatest things the enemy uses to tempt us. David prays that God would work in him. His prayer is that God would do things in him, and David trusted the Lord. He saw the Holy Spirit as the imperative to obedience, and, and we will not be obedient to Christ if we think we have this little narrow plan that we just know we need to, like, our life has to look this exact way. It's never how it worked. When, when Jesus met the 12 disciples, he didn't give them the itinerary the second that he met them, right? He didn't say, and this is what we'll be doing two and a half years from now. In three years, I'm going to be dead, right? Like, he didn't, he didn't give them, like, the plan. He just said, come and follow me, and that's the journey of faith. It is a journey with the Holy Spirit. So, church, it is my, my prayer for you today. As we sing, as we gather together for the usage, for, for taking communion, it is my prayer Whatever that thing is that we've been holding on to, that we could surrender that to God today, that he would lead us. God has a mission for your life. He wants you to be on mission in your community, in your workplace. He wants you to do so many things, to be a part of the church. 
and yet we, we just overlook the Spirit's leading because we think we already know what our life is supposed to look like. We never go to the Spirit, we never go to prayer because we think we know. Nobody receives a plan, no one receives guidance if they think they already know what to do. And prayer is that daily moment. Maybe you do it in the morning or the midweek or the, at night or, or maybe, maybe you don't do it very often, but prayer is that moment where we set down our plan for our lives and we depend on the Spirit to help us be obedient. Don't miss God's plan for your life because you think you already got it figured out. Pray like David that God would incline your heart to his testimony, to his path, to his way. And I believe that the Spirit will be faithful to call you to do some crazy stuff on mission. And the last thing I'll say is even this week as I was getting that stuff at the grocery store, like, I felt kind of crazy, but I felt more alive than I'd ever felt before. There's nothing sweeter in this life than walking with the Spirit of God and trusting Him, not our understanding of the future. It's the Holy Spirit that will lead you home, church. It's the gospel and God's leading the entire way. Pray with me. Oh, Holy Spirit. This is the part of the gathering where we ask that what we just heard today, that you would make it a reality in our lives. This is the part of the gathering where we confess that we have tried this week to follow our own plan, to do our own thing. We've, we've tried to um, control our own life We've never stopped to ask that maybe you have a different plan for us. God, I pray that you would reveal to each and every one of us here how exactly we are to live on mission for you, God. Who do we need to share your love with? Is it our neighbors? Is it our family members? Who do we need to serve? Is it our family? Is it our friends? Is it our neighbors? What are the anxieties and the stresses in our hearts that we have not let go of because we are so certain that they're what you want for us and we have this death grip? God, what, what do we need to let go of today? Would you reveal it to us? Would you give us the plan for our lives that is given by your spirit, God? And God, would your Holy Spirit just come in this place, remind us of the gospel, and then work through us because we confess that your Holy Spirit is imperative to obedience. It is crucial, it is essential. God, I love these people and I want the best for them. I want them to have everything that you have for them. I want, you to, I want them to feel the joy that you offer to them, God. Father, would you give that to them as they seek you in this place? You said that if we seek, we'll find, and so we're seeking for your will, we're seeking for joy in Christ. And Holy Spirit, would you do that in our lives? Thank you for White Oak and all the churches meeting across the world today. I pray that you would bless us with the spirit that only comes from your hand and your heart. Oh, Spirit, come to us. Lead us and teach us. 
and your sovereign and perfect will. We lay down our lives and our wills. We pray all these things in the perfect, mighty name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.